You're listening to Marketing News Canada, Canada's number one show featuring the brightest minds in marketing, PR, and digital advertising. Welcome to another episode of Marketing News Canada. I am thrilled uh, because this has been a long time coming. Uh, Brain and I were laughing at the show because he's had multiple jobs over the years and we were trying to remember the first time I invited Brayden on the show. Well, Brayden, today, to catch you up, he is the Senior Vice President of Marketing for Herschel Supply. Uh, you might have seen many of their backpacks in movies and uh, other places around town. He is responsible for global marketing strategy and execution. Prior to Herschel, he led marketing and e-commerce for several brands based in Vancouver, Saks Underwear, Kitten Ace, and clearly Contacts. Brayden, thank you for being here. Yeah, thanks for having me. Glad we could finally uh, connect and make the time work. Awesome. Very cool. Very cool. Um, so Herschel Backpacks, I see him everywhere in movies. I see him like on the street, right? You know, drop my son off at high school, Herschel Backpacks. My two daughters both have Herschel Backpacks. Now I wear actually a Herschel fanny pack when I go mountain biking. It's pretty awesome. Excellent. But why are they in all the movies? Like, and I kind of laugh because I like, cause it's like from Vancouver and it's like, oh, look, it's a Herschel backpack. Was that kind of, uh, are stars just choosing to wear them or is that you guys are intentionally getting them into movies or what's that been? Yeah, it's both. I think the if you think about the ubiquitousness of uh, of Herschel uh, backpack, we're sold in ninety four countries around the world. So what you're saying in movies is interesting, and what I always say is like wherever I go, somewhere there's going to be a Herschel backpack walking through a train st- station or an airplane or whatever. And I think that broad awareness of the of the brand, and then the ability of the brand to remain culturally relevant and and play and sit in those moments where people care about culture and create culture lends itself to that industry really well. So I think that's on the organic side when people are choosing it is because that's actually the right backpack for that character to wear most of the time. They're going to choose that type of backpack in real life um, because of the brand. And so there's an organic aspect of it, and there's certainly a, a tactical uh, aspect of it where you know we, we work with uh, producers and teams to place that product, and um, but we like to do it in an organic way. And so I, I think in 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 most most cases where you see it, it, you would say, ah, that is the right person wearing the Herschel backpack. And yes, so both intentional and organic, which is probably the best place to be. So those that maybe haven't seen maybe a Herschel backpack, or maybe they've seen it but they didn't realize it. I'm going to try to, it's like, you got, when you launched on the scene, it was like this vintage, like as a, you know, kind of older 30 something. I was like, oh, that's the backpacks I wore as a kid, right? It's got that vintage classic look, but made really high quality, right? I'm sure you can describe it way better as the marketing. Yeah. So I think, I think about it as, uh, as inspired by heritage, uh, inspired by, you know, mountaineering of the past and, um, just heritage feeling and look. So the, the most signature look in the, one of the first backpacks was the little America, which is your, you know, backpack with the leather straps down. That was a top loader. So, you know, in the past you'd have to weave that leather strap to like close the bag. Ours are magnets that, that snap it shut. So everything is a classic, but made modern. And then, you know, that's where it all started and, and, you know, multiple silhouettes, multiple, like you said, different uh, types of bags that were, where we've expanded. But I would say we're most known for those leather straps and then the little white label in the bottom right corner. So I think that, that woven label, which looks heritage, it, it, it's woven on like almost every single bag where it's a real high quality label. And that's really iconic when you like see it walking around. And, and why do you think, so we think of Vancouver, right, where we both are right now. 
like we have birthed some incredible brands out of this area, right, of the world. You know, we got West Beach Clothing, which most people uh, may remember, uh, which, again, the creator went on to create some little yoga clothing thing that did all right. Yeah. Uh, but West Beach was his, I'd say, his you know, most amazing epic moment and contribution to society. And then Lululemon's been okay. I think that a few people are wearing it now, right? <laughs> you, know, you know, it's catching yeah. on. It's catching on. Um, why do you, what is with Vancouver? Is it just, is it the people here? Is it the culture? Is it just where we're positioned in the world? I, th- I think maybe a couple things. I think one is where we're positioned in the world of, of ocean and mountain and city all coming together. So I think there's a very interesting thing of how many active brands have come out of Vancouver because of the lifestyle. And so even looking, how many times do people say like, well, I went for a run by, you know, on the seawall or went for a kayak in the morning and then yeah. they could be skiing at night. I mean, oh, even yeah. sometimes when I tell people you can ski at night in Vancouver, yeah. they're like, what are you talking about? I'm like, they light up the mountain. You can ski at, you know, <laughs> in the dark. Yeah. And so it's, uh, it, I think it's unique in geography in that way. And then I think, like in other pockets of the world where you have industries coalesce, I think we have success in some brands and, you know, Lululemon being a perfect example where it breeds talent. It breeds talent in the product design. It breeds talent in the marketing side. It breeds talent in the retail. And they're not the only ones by any stretch. But when you have that sort of success start to happen in multiple different brands, you really start to build a, a human capital uh, in a city that, that allows that talent to go on and create new and more innovative brands. So I think I put those two things together, and that's where, where I would say why Vancouver is, is showing up that way and, and having that sort of impact. So I know I have friends that work at Arcteryx. Is, that, is this the hometown creation of Arcteryx? Uh, I don't, I believe so, but I don't know the origin story fully. Okay. Okay, that's very cool. But it, it's so amazing. So let's let's talk about you and your origin story. Speaking of which, how did you get to be a part of and involved in all these incredible brands? And again, if people don't realize, West Beach went on to do Lululemon, and Lululemon, uh, in a sense, kind of in some way, birthed Kit and Ace as well, which is probably the nicest T-shirt I've ever worn, but couldn't afford. <laughs> sure, just con- context for those that don't know Kit and Ace yet, but yes, uh, yes. If, yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, my origin story, I never set out to be a marketer uh, by any stretch. Um, I, I have a bachelor's of general studies and a certificate in community economic development. So my path in, in, in education is not in marketing, um, but was always passionate about, you know, how, how people work, how they interact with the world around them. And certainly that parallels into marketing, you know, well, but over, over the course of a few different odd starts and, and different things, ended up at TELUS uh, in early days of uh, web analytics. And so back in the day before uh, Google Analytics was free to everybody, uh, analytics was an expensive software package yes. that, that yes. you know big companies had to pay money for. And uh, we were fortunate enough to have it at TELUS and, and I got a junior you know, business analyst role and I found this software package that we had and it was like, well, we can use this for all of my reporting and all my information. And so that really kicked off my whole career of early days of, of web analytics and learning about it as fast as I could in a brand where we had traffic and data coming out of everywhere that we could actually consolidate and use. So was able to have that impact in a real world environment. And I literally had a manager who sat me down in one of my reviews and she just basically said, you're a marketer. And I was like, no, I'm like, I'm not a marketer. I really love this data stuff. I really love how showing people are using the web and how we can improve. But I don't know that I'm a marketer. But she's like, no, 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 you are. Like the way you speak, the way you think, the mm-hmm. way that you're approaching, you know, the problems of the of the business that we're we're trying to solve, 
She's like, you're a marketer. So that, that stuck with me and, and that sort of morphed into um, me sort of going down a more clear marketing path. And I felt like I had this tool of web analytics that I really understood the measurement aspect of it. So then you can speak clearly of here's how we're going to have to measure it and, and work through it. So from there worked at, yeah, like you mentioned, clearly contacts, um, great e-commerce company wanted to be directly in e-commerce and working on like transactions. That was the, the why I wanted there. And I've worn glasses my whole life. So when I started there, I was like, yes, glasses. I'm like, this is going to be exciting. And had a great run there growing that business. Um, for, and not just contacts, because they were clearly contacts. They were contacts. When they started. Exactly. It was the best place, the most affordable place to get contacts. Because I, I, I was a glasses wearer, and then I lasered these things. But it was incredible, the, the pricing, the, the everything. And then when they did glasses, they were the most affordable glasses you could get. Yeah, exactly. So so started as a contact lens business, added glasses when I was there. Great team. Just so much fun. Really just trying to find a new way of serving customers in terms of how to buy optical products. So um, super fun. And then, you know, went over to Kit and Ace. And I, I wanted to sit and I looked at the career move and said, I want to learn from the best of, of, of people who have built brands and built amazing brands and, and more vertical retail. Um, and how does that intersect and how do we create customer experiences across that whole spectrum? So went to Kit and Ace to fire up e-commerce there and all the digital marketing. So that was from ground zero, um, wow. putting in you know, a big global e-commerce platform and digital marketing strategy pieces. And it was great. It was super fun, super fun run. Yeah. So, and then from there to Saks and then now to Herschel for the last few years to really oversee more international. So I was super excited about our team in China and the opportunity in China that, that is set up there and just our international partners that are so great to work with. And it just adds another level of fun of working with a brand that how it translates across cultures and across the globe. That's incredible. And, and watching clearly in Vancouver as a, as a customer, and then on Robson Street, they actually created a physical store, much yes. like Indochino was yep. online only. And then they created a physical, like it was pop-ups, and then they actually made a permanent store. Yep, that's right. And I think the insight there was all the way from that in, in that company and, and in a multiple other companies, it was how do we remove customer friction points? And yeah. so even in the early days of contact lenses with Clearly, um, we would place the order before we took payment. Yeah. Um, which always stuck out to me as like this huge catalyst for, for growth and surprises me that more companies haven't actually adopted it. It was risky. We would ship mm-hmm. contact lenses and you hadn't paid for them yet. They yeah. would show up the next day and people were like, I didn't even know I ordered them. Yeah. Um, and we'd be like, no problem. Here's your bill. Pay it. And then eventually it would go to collections, which turned out to be a bad customer experience. Um, but in the early days of e-commerce, it was like, how do you get rid of that friction? You don't even need a credit card right now to like buy, just place the order. And amazing. so the store was the same thing. Consumers wanted to interact with us. We knew from research that people were more trustworthy of e-commerce brands mm-hmm. when they had a brick-and-mortar store, even if that brick-and-mortar store wasn't accessible to them. We could have opened it up in, in Toronto, and it would have yeah. had an effect in can- anywhere in Canada, just knowing that there was a physical spot gave people credence that you weren't a fly-by-night organization. And so that's where it started. And it, did I hear, it occurred to me this rumor is true now, is like employees who work in e-commerce for Clearly have to spend at least like an hour or an afternoon or morning on the floor a week or a month so they can remember that they're part of a, you know, a retail experience? We, we, we cycled, I don't know what they're doing today. It, it's been yeah. a number of years, but we cycled staff through the call center, through the stores. Like we would have almost everybody in the marketing team spend an hour on the phones, even yeah. just listening um, okay. to hear 
We would, from an executive team level, we were accountable to call a customer uh, every week or every month. Um, so we would generate and then just be, pick up the phone. What's what's going on in your community? Why are you a customer? What can we do better to like hear you? So it was a very consumer-focused business. And through that, we learned a lot. We'd get little tidbits of information that would flow in, and then that's, that's where it would shape our marketing, shape our approach to business. Okay. And, and looking at you, like your background before Telus, you, you worked with people, right? It was, you were gathering people, you were encouraging people, you were doing a lot of work with kind of communities. So then taking that mixed with the data, do you think that's kind of what the marketers say, kind of the two elements of like you understand people and you understand data and you merge them together and that's the, the sauce people are looking for? Pretty much, right? Because I think you can, it's easy to be jaded about marketing and be like, we're just, you know, shilling product, right? And in different ways. And I, I think it's so much more nuanced than that and so much more valuable than that when you're actually looking at consumer needs and trying to figure that out. So I think that idea of community and knowing people, what makes them work, what makes them want to feel a part of something is incredible, right? And if you can do that as a brand, you're 10 miles ahead of anybody else. And I think when you see the most successful brands and, and they have these pockets of communities, whether it's around activities that they're doing or just in the interest sake of you have a shared interest. The brand is interested in this, and so am I. Therefore, we're aligned, and there starts to be this community. And so I think the best marketers sometimes don't come, um, come from traditional marketing. Like I, love, I love talking to creative directors and, and art directors when they have like a psychology background. I'm like, how did you end up in design? And then you start to see like, ah, there's little things there that like come out of like how people work, how they see things, how they interact, that influences work. And I think when that happens in a, just a positive way, it can, it gets results. So your role in marketing, when you're marketing like a, like fashion and, and, you know, for lack of, you know, you're, you're, it's fashion, right? It's accessories. It's, you know, it's, and, 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 you know, I, what I've loved about Herschel is I actually recently got a bag from Herschel, not just a backpack, but a bag. It's like a day bag or a weekend bag. And it's amazing because it's strong, sturdy. It was all gray. But what I love about Herschel, and uh, and this is the first time I saw a Herschel bag was my friend opened it because it looked very traditional and historic. But when he opened it, it had this pop of color on the inside. And, yeah. and my gray bag, when you unzip it, it's got like fun on the inside. Almost like those Indochino, when you open the suit jacket in the early days, they had really fun inside fabrics. So the inside fabric of most Herschel bags are red and white, like candy stripe lining. And what that is, is actually a nod to um, the, I believe it's the grandfather of the, of the founders who was a train engineer. Oh, so wow. that stripe is actually a train engineer stripe um, that they would wear in their caps back in the heritage, uh, you know, days. And so that's pulled over. So I agree with you. It's the, it's a very, it's an iconic piece of the Herschel brand. When you see a backpack around, if you see that little red and white striped lining poking out, you know, immediately know it's Herschel. And I, act, I think that that's actually, there's little hints in all of these apparel brands. Even like, if you look at Lululemon, the logo placement of different things, it's very iconic and consistent. And so, and in doing so, they've created themselves this awareness of, you know, people are wearing Lululemon pants because right on the calf is that yep. thing. And it's in the same spot all the time. And you know, it's there. Kit and Ace, same thing. Herschel has these like little pops, white woven label, red lining. There's a, re- a navy and blue flag. There's a tab on, on, on the front. So you can see it from the front that are all identifiable in terms of brand building over the long haul. And I think it's very interesting to see how products can incorporate that. And, and when, they, when done well, it really has an effect on people seeing it everywhere uh, because they can actually notice it. 
And, and where is that? And that's where I want to know, like, when you are, you're, you know, you're in the role of marketing, right? And then, and this whole kind of discussion, especially in the last few years, has been like, where ways that, like, I, you know, if you have kids, right? They play with Play-Doh. The, one of the frustrating things is when they mix all the Play-Doh colors up, right? And, and it's like, no, red's supposed to be there and green's there, but then they it, it inevitably it all smushes together. And I feel like that's what's happened with like marketing, advertising, branding, public relations, communications. And so where do you see the intersection of those worlds and, and how do you play that out in your company? Yeah, the way I think about it is, the, or the illustration I've used, I don't know who I stole it from, but I'm sure I stole it from someone smarter than me, was a banana split. Okay. And so marketing is like a banana split where like, you can see all the different ingredients. So it's not like a milkshake where we blend them all together and they're the same. There's like distinct things. You have different ice cream, different sprinkles, Banana, all of those things. And so those are important as individual elements in marketing to drive expertise in them. But on their own, they're boring and, and mm. only one note. They only yeah. really start to like be like, I really need this when yeah. it all comes together. And I think what, what has happened in my view over the last, I don't know, number of years, lots of years, is even with the advent of digital, because of the technological constraints and, and expertise required, um, we specialized digital, particularly. Yes. Agencies came up, we're going to be a digital agency. We know the complexities of SEO. We know how to like, like pull the levers in Facebook and how to manage search engine marketing. And it's complex. And as the data has gotten more and more complex, it's gotten more and more complex. But what it did was isolated digital into this world. And so we were like, now there's this pocket of digital they're the data wonks. They're the like people who are going to handle that side. And then the traditional side is over here. And because the traditional side doesn't always have the same level of metrics capability or even speed of metrics, because maybe the metrics are more annual or biannual, that you're really looking at sentiment and it's using these old school things. We haven't done a good job of stitching all of those parts together. And so what I think is happening in marketing now is people are starting to see a, the data walls are breaking down in interesting ways, even with Google's announcement yesterday. And so there almost is this return to the core of what marketing needs to be. Not, I'm the best targeter and algorithm beater, but yeah. I'm putting the right emotional creative that has a longer-term impact on my brand. And these are the channels by which I can deploy it and optimize that deploy, if you will, of, of putting it into market, but is not necessarily isolated. And, and I know other people on your podcast have talked about, you know, podcast advertising being part of out of home and yeah. like different elements of that. And I think it, we're looking at that media mix model in new and interesting ways because we're basically saying there's stuff we can't immediately track and there's stuff that we can. But at the same time, what are the macro views that you need to look at at your business and and how do you keep that honest so that everything else is working? Because even because, in the sorry, go ahead. You're saying on a micro level, you're saying because I, I, you mentioned the the, the change with Google, like cookies are disappearing. Apple is changing its systems, like almost even an industry wise. Like what happened in December with real estate and kind of the debt world, like everyone's losing the ability to go hyper, to go micro. So I love what you're saying on the macro side. Yeah, I, I you know I think there's been many a salesperson at a conference that I've walked up to with a marketing tool that has some great claim of what their value of their marketing tool is. And look, great partners have, we need great software partners, so I'm not down on them. But the, the question that I would always say when I've been presenting is, look, you might get a micro benefit, but don't 
don't miss if there was a macro benefit because both some of those micro benefits are gone. Like as soon as you do it and someone else does it, it's gone and it's neutralized. So don't rely on that X percent lift that you got a little, a few minutes ago, if your overall business, it hasn't actually had that lift. And so I think marketers and, and, and folks need to take a step back and be like, yes, those micro optimizations are important. Let's work through them and have them. When you step back, has the whole business worked the way that you want it to? It has it moved. Have has that sentiment and traditional marketing had its brand impact that you wanted it to have? So when you describe the banana split, how would you break down like the bananas to the whipped cream to the sauce? Like what is what? How would you kind of? I mean, you be you. Uh, I think no one makes a banana split the same way, so I wouldn't categorize them any any specifically. But uh, I just think it's it's a matter of of saying that the unique parts are important, but together they're better. But don't shake them all together into some nondescript mess. Like someone's got a job that's like, oh, you cover marketing, advertising, communications, you're just over there. But if you can get everyone in the same room who brings their strengths, that's the best flavor. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's so that marketing communications, even like, so we seed backpacks into stylists for movies and different things. But as we started, do I know the value of each one of those impressions? I mean, I could probably get a report that says, here's the screen time of the logo. Yeah. So I've yeah. had 8,000 hours of brand presence and, and the equivalent in a 30-second TV commercial would be X amount, so your ma- media value is Y. Okay, but is our backpack moving across the screen that you barely see the same as a 30-second commercial where we're explaining you know, a deeper story about why Herschel and why the backpack? So I think it's, that's where I would, I would say like, it's important on the top end of the funnel and for a role in that consumer journey to have that placement, but it's not isolated. And if you can stack the timing up right for product launches, new styles, new communication streams, and really think through the sequence by which you're communicating and how those things show up in the world, that becomes additive. And so the more those different specialists can talk together, align the plans on the calendar, and then really go and execute it, I think that's where you have bigger impact. That's awesome. That's awesome. And, and tell me about the time you guys, um, this last year, I wrote a piece about it in a, in a magazine on BC Business on your bags you made from recycled sales ship sales. Yes. Tell me about that. Sales. So the resale project. So our founders are big fans of the water and the ocean. And uh, there was always the idea of we could use old sails to make bags. And so we had acquired a handful of old sails that... They don't decompose well, from what I understand. And so they're kind of, they've, their life is over in terms of on the water. And there's not a lot of other use cases for these old sails. So they were sitting in a heap. We, we collected them and, and said, you know, there's a project here that we can have at one point to build some bags. And so the opportunity came up when we heard that the Vancouver Aquarium was going through some financial hardships. We said, yeah. this is really a cool story. They're Vancouver sales. Yeah. We, can, we can stitch them together. Um, we can donate the proceeds. It's a unique little collection that people can have one off. So every one of them is different. So it's a merger of the sale and some other, you know, scraps of old bags and different things that we've been able to creatively put into like unique products. So they're one of a kind and yeah, put them up up for the market and and worked with the aquarium on it. And and it was just a, a great fun project and an interesting experiment in materialization too, of how do we reuse these things? 
how do you construct a bag with different these different materials? So I think the product team had fun with that as well of of figuring out you know how can what can we do with it and how can we give back. So at Parker, our purpose is simple: we want to make the world a better place by working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies. We keep moving forward with each new idea, innovation, and partnership. We're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com/purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Uh, what can people look forward to this year coming up? What you know, we follow the Herschel brand. What are maybe some trends that you're following or that you're going to try this year, uh, or something that you're excited about? Yeah, there's some exciting stuff that I, I that don't you can let share out of the bag, not, of course. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. no pun intended. Say, yes, I would say uh, stay stay close. There's some yes. new categories that that we're looking at coming into for summer, so it's going to be a really interesting uh, time to sort of see solve some other use cases that people have have need for bags that Herschel can sort of play in. I think it's going to be really exciting. Um, and we're also working a lot on the brand front of just refining the messaging and, and figuring out a little bit more tip of the spear positioning for the brand. And so that campaign is is under works of exactly how uh, we want to communicate that and launch that. So again, uh, an exciting summer and back to school season for us. Um, the, those are key moments for, for us as a brand. And so everything's sort of lining up for there. So I would say stay tuned, follow us wherever you want, and then uh, you will be the first to know of uh, all these exciting things rolling out. Cool. So a uh, family friend was telling me a story. And, and, and I, I, again, this, I don't know if this is true or not, was like, hey, I, I, something happened in my backpack. And so they told me to just cut the straps and they would send me a new one. Is that a Correct. true story about That's Herschel? a true story. Customer yep. service? Yep. So limited lifetime warranty on all products. And so we stand behind them. And the you know, some people are like, oh, this is crazy. Why, why are we cutting the, the straps off? And really it's a matter of saying, like, well, if the bag's broken and it's not used, let's make sure it doesn't end up in, you know, 
just a wrong channel somewhere. And it's more environmentally friendly to do that than it is to ship it back. Um, so take the picture. Make, we, our service team verifies it. We know it's not going to be used. We'll replace it and, and keep rolling. So That's incredible. Yeah. That's incredible. So, Brain, I need to hear. So we're talking about Saks Underwear. You went from there. And then I, I, we were talking about, I was a Saks wearer. And then I switched over to Beyond out of North Vancouver. And then socks. I, I love these socks called Stance. They're amazing. But then they released and launched, hey, we're now selling underwear. And I was like, well, why? you're just a sock. Like, you're my favorite sock company. Why would you start going into the underwear realm? And will you make it? But then a part of me is also like, well, their socks are the best socks I've ever worn. Maybe their underwear is good. So you as a brand, as you kind of went from backpacks into like, I got a, I guess it's called a duffel bag, right? Or a weekender bag. And um, you're making wallets. What's it like for you as kind of a marketing director to start saying we're going into other territories outside of the core backpack world? Or are you saying we've never were meant to be just a backpack company? We're always going to yeah. be. I mean, I think I wouldn't, I wouldn't describe Herschel as just a backpack company. I'd describe it as a lifestyle brand. Yeah, and so cool. what backpacks have allowed us to do is have the right to play in other areas of consumers' lives. And so bags are certainly core. So when I think about duffel bags, when I think about wallets, like they're all things you put stuff in. And so there's and a to, very- to travel, to, to go to places. Yeah, yeah, even if it's to travel just to the corner store, you're still, yeah. if, yeah. You're, if you are carrying a wallet, you're carrying a wallet or- I use know, my bags to go to the pool because right. you can't go in the change rooms now. So I put it in my, my nice, beautiful duffel bag. Yeah, exactly. So there's all these uses, and, that, and that's certainly the core. But I think the, the value of the brand is, is in the fact that we have permission to play in all of these other places. So it's exciting for me to look at the categories and say, okay, where are we going? Product team will come up with an innovation in a certain category. And then the conversation is like, well, how do we bring that to market? Is it customers are going to first discover the Herschel brand through this new product or are the existing customers going to add this to the repertoire because there's some other need state that exists there and figure out what the right way to bring it to market is. And I am sure at every company, it's, it's the same. There's agonizing decisions over what category should we enter? Is the category big enough? Do we have expertise there? Is it going to be a distraction? And somewhere you have to just wrestle those to the ground and, and figure out, is that a growth trajectory that you want? I mean, I, 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 don't, I don't know stance well, but I, obviously a huge success on the, the sock market. They must have sat down and said, where is another place for us to get growth and where is a natural adjacency to socks? So if stance came out with, you know, I don't know, make it up of some other home they did furnishings. They, and they did a, or, or something out way out of Way out of yeah. whack. I think yeah, consumers yeah. would get confused. But yes. by, by them doing something like, okay, you know, Small accessories, socks and underwear makes sense. Hats, maybe you know, masks. Everybody made masks who had who had fabric, and uh, I think they're constantly just challenges internally of like, where does the growth come from? How do we get after these new categories? Are they right for the brand? Are they right for the customer? And if so, then you dip your toe in the water, you test it out. If it works, then you've opened up a new category for yourself. That's cool. So I got to ask, uh, being on brand side. Um, and you've worked on a ton of different brand sides. There's a lot of agencies who listen to the show, agency owners, agency uh, account managers. What's your biggest advice for those that you had a really good agency relationship with? What's, your, what are, what's the things that kind of stood out to you in that like, man, we had a really good, healthy thing going on because they did X or Y? Yeah, it's a great question. So I think that relationship between agencies and, and client side is so critical. And I think 
my best advice for agencies is, is come and be a partner. You know, let's be super transparent and clear about what's working, what's not, what the hours are, why we think this is the case. You know, deliver on what you said you're going to deliver on or I'm not even interested in the, in the conversation. And where the relationships can be the strongest is when agencies can push clients to see their business in a new light and see um, opportunities or see perspectives that, that we're blinded because we're in the business every single day. And so that external perspective is, is super valuable. Or there's certain skill sets that you just don't have internally that you're like, you know what, for this moment in time, I need an agency to help scale this part of my business up. And so, so depending on exactly what that relationship is, but you know, my best agencies of ones that have come, they've said, we'll put our money where our mouth is and prove that we can do this right. Are we solving a problem? Great. Like, let's do it. They understand the brand. They take the time. They're open to, to the feedback and they deliver on what, what they say they're going to do. And I think especially now as lots of creative moves, more client side, we want to, clients want to control it. We want the consistency. We want all of those. I think agencies play for us is like when we get super busy at certain seasons, we need external help to like pulse up and down. And we want to work with people who will bring our brand to life, will challenge us, but will still execute at the like level and direction that we need them to. I mean, I mean, that's super high level, but some of my best relationships have come out of, of agency world of people who have really helped me solve a problem that I've been having that I haven't been able to get over. And um, I think, that's how I would would sort of see that relationship. That's really that's really great, helpful advice. Thank you. Brayden, you feeling ready for a little rapid fire? Yeah, rapid fire. Bring it on. Okay, let's try this. This is it. Okay, here we go. Get hydrated there. That's right. Um, what was your first job? Other than a paper route, was pumping gas at a Chevron. Nice. Uh, night owl or early bird? I will give a slight edge to early bird, but I am more of a sleep person than I am an awake person. <laughs> yes. Perfect. You love sleep. That's amazing. Exactly. Uh, are you a cat or a dog person? Cat. Nice. Uh, first thing that you marketed? Candy. So I used, to, I used to take my bike before class at elementary school, like before school, ride to 7-Eleven, buy sour lemons, and then sell them out of my locker. Genius. Look at you. That's really cool, actually. That's like early, 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 like early days. Real commerce. Real That's commerce, right. Honey. Yeah. <laughs> um, dark or milk chocolate? Dark. Nice. Number one thing on your bucket list right now? I want to visit the Australian continent. I've got Australia and Antarctica to go to visit all continents. So yes. they're the last ones left. I don't know how Antarctica will happen. So I'll, yeah. let's put Australia first. Okay, and then, and then I think you can see penguins in Antarctica, which is great. I mean, yeah, but it's hard to get to. Yeah, all right. But they're close to each other, right? Australia they're and Antarctica? Close. They're close. You yeah. can actually take a flight that will fly okay. over Antarctica and look out the window at it. Oh. I'm not sure if that qualifies, so I'm not sure what, the, what my strategy will be there, but we'll, okay. we'll start with Australia. That's awesome. What is your favorite word right now? Yeah, I want to say authenticity, I think, yeah. in... in Lots of ways. So let's go with that. Okay. I like that. Uh, word that needs to die right now? Anything to do with the pandemic. <laughs> okay. Yes. Take Perfect. your pick. Yeah. Lovely. Uh, what is the last charity you supported financially or with volunteer time and why? So Hope and Healing Canada, uh, which was uh, a vision and is a vision-related charity uh, in, in 
in all over the world, really. But my passion was, and sorry, this isn't lightning round, but I think it's important, is vision care is a solvable problem uh, all over the world, but is one of the leading reasons why people can't get educated or can't get jobs. And I've seen the real impact of when you go into Mm. a community and someone who can't see gets given a pair of glasses and now Mm. can see. And that unlocks their ability to learn and hold a job. And so we've worked with them for a number of years and seeing the impact of certain countries eradicating, Mm. um, you know, preventable blindness and, and, uh, and supporting vision. So that's a huge passion of mine of seeing people around the world being given access to the ability to actually see. That's amazing. So when I used to go get a new pair of glasses, they had a box where you could donate glasses. Is that part of one of the things they probably do? Yeah, um, a, a number of charities do um, exactly okay. that type of, of, of work, and and I think that's a great way of helping um, get those uh, those products out there. We'll put a link in the bio in the description here. Make sure people check that out. Sounds Perfect. awesome. Uh, what's a movie that you love? Movie that I love. I threw in here my my. It, it's any romantic comedy. Okay. So I'm not nice. gonna lie. If I see you've got mail come up on the TV, yeah, I, everything yeah. stops, and I'm gonna watch it. Okay, you're a rom com guy. Yeah. That is awesome. Uh, what's your favorite song or album on repeat right now? So right now, uh, song Live It Well by Switchfoot. Um, but that whole album of Where the Light Shines Through is, yeah. is my on-repeat, travel-around uh, type of album for the That's moment. awesome. That's a nice little throwback there. It's, little it's, it's a few years, 2016. So. That, is, that is awesome. I remember, uh, what was the movie? Mandy Moore started in the movie. I don't know. She remember? Was, yes, yes. yes. And was it her dying or or yes. her boyfriend yep. dying? She was dying, One, and and it was Switchfoot. Did the whole? I think they did the whole soundtrack to the uh, well. Movie that, pr- that primary song, "Dairy to Move," uh, yeah. was a Switchfoot song that Mandy Moore covered, and I think okay. that was a major um, a major step for them in terms okay. of that exposure. But you're right. Yes, that's also a good movie. Um, okay. So yeah. Random fact, John Foreman, the lead singer, did a concert in Vancouver. He had a solo album. And then he would do this thing afterwards where he would tweet a random location after a show. Yes. And so I saw him play a set on a garbage can in an alley in on Granville Street. Yes, behind the Commodore after a Commodore yes. show. Yes. Yeah, okay. Yes, yes. He Were does that. There? He does that often. I was not in the alley, but oh, I was at the okay. Commodore show. Okay. <laughs> um, the last time they were here, they were at the Queen Elizabeth Theater. And okay. then he played in the in the uh Parking lot across the street afterwards. Okay. Okay. So. Yes. So random. Good, okay. good switch foot facts. Well done. <laughs> if you weren't doing this job, what would you be doing? Uh, I'd, I'd be in Hawaii. That's my happy yep. place, sitting yep. on the beach. Um, but I really think, uh, you know, if I was not in fashion, if I was not in sort of this, this world, I love seeing what's happening, you know, all around our food system with yeah. egg, egg, egg tech, sustainability, the community economic development around it. I think there's so much interesting things happening in mm. that community side, which is back to my educational rates that I never yeah. pers- pursued as a career. Um, but I love that. I love watching all of it. So, What is an app on your phone you can't live without? So I, I wrestled with thinking about, the, about this one. Mm. Um, I'm going to recommend, it, I think I can live without it, but I'm going to recommend Merlin, which is an app from... Uh, the Cornell Bird Society, whatever, yes. Cornell University. Yeah. Yeah. But I'm like, yeah. the way that they've used the app for technology purposes of identifying birds and calls wherever is, you are is impressive. Amazing. So everything from if you have a picture of the bird, you can upload it, it'll tell you what it is. 
based on your geography and time of year, they will tell you what it's likely that you can see in your area. You can identify sound calls. So I just, when I downloaded it for the first time, I was like, that is a, the perfect use case for mobile devices um, wow. for people who are into birds, which generally yeah. speaking, I have not been into birds in my life, yeah. but I have yeah. appreciated the fact that uh, you can learn about that world uh, really quickly through that app. That is amazing. Okay, random. A, a game came out for the iPhone, Apple Arcade. It's called like Ally or Abby or something. And you're a kid going around taking photos of birds and things. And my kids got really into birding because of this game. Yeah. There you go. So now, now you have a new app for them to download. Merlin. Merlin. Right. I mean, thank you. Uh, favorite children's book? The 21 Balloons. Nice. Uh, what's the most important thing you've ever changed your mind about? So... Before I got married to my wife or before we started dating, we were friends for a number of years. So the most wow. important thing I ever changed my mind about was going from the friend state to marriage state, yep. uh, dating stage uh, with my wife. So um, I think that, that ranks right up there. And also, random fact, uh, people don't know, your wife is also in marketing. Yes. Yep, she is. So we have lots of shop talk uh, in, uh, in our house about marketing on all sorts of different fronts. That's awesome. What is the best thing you ever bought for under $10? Uh, any Pez dispenser. Nice. Are you a collector? I am a collector. Amazing. Okay. Yes, I have been <laughs> since high school. And so, uh, yes, Pez has a, has a dear, close spot in my heart. Amazing. What is a marketing book that you'd recommend? How Brands Grow by Byron Sharp. And there's some follow-on books there. But I think from a digital marketing perspective, to read that book, to expand okay. the idea of how... Uh, of how brands truly grow and are built over the long haul is uh, excellent. It's amazing. Uh, what's a podcast you'd recommend? Uh, After Hours um, from Harvard Business Review. Uh, mm. Three Harvard professors who chat about the topics du jour. Uh, yeah. And uh, I think it, I've learned so much from just listening to that one. Yeah, that's a great one. Great recommendation. Uh, what's a newsletter or a website you go to for like inspiration, ideas, resources? Yeah, the I think for me the the Weekend Reader by Maxwell Anderson, um, where he collects a handful of long form articles about a particular topic and sends them out for sort of deeper, more thoughtful reading. And nice. so he summarizes it, but it's that encouragement of in today's world of flyby that you could actually read deeply. Amazing. That's great. That's awesome. And, and uh, what is the last thing you ever Googled? When does daylight savings time start? <laughs> yeah. And, and when is that? When's it it is not, not next weekend, but the weekend after. Okay. So we're close. Okay. okay. We're close. Brayden, thank you for being on the show. This was worth the wait. And I'm so happy for you. I'm a huge fan of the Herschel products. It's been so fun watching uh, all the different endeavors and activities, both here locally and around the world. So, uh, Great. Thanks for having me. It was great. And uh, yeah. yeah, we'll have to do it again. We'll have to have you, yeah, come back and, and maybe do, we've never had this, but have a couples session. Not, not like a couple session, but like a session where you can both talk about marketing and your wife's marketing for a nonprofit charity. And so That's it's right. uh, kind of the, the, you know, the, the differences between the two. That would be yeah, absolutely really fascinating. Great. Very cool. Well, thanks everyone for joining us this week on Marketing News Canada. And we'll see you next time on the show. Thanks for listening to Marketing News Canada. For more episodes and other great stories from Canadian marketers, visit marketingnewscanada.com.
All episodes are recorded at the Jelly Marketing Studio. Thanks to our producer, Chris Penner, and editor, Travis Jeffers. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com podcast. That's Indeed.com podcast. Terms and conditions apply.